As the audience begins to enter into the theater house, the actors prepare their first appearances on stage, and the orchestra warms up in the pit. One man enters backstage in a frenzy. Five minutes to places, everybody. This is your five minutes to places, please. His tardiness has sent adrenaline coursing through him, and as he heads to his dressing room, he notices something on the floor. It's dark, red, and sticky. As he paces the floor to investigate, he notices more and more specks of the warm burgundy liquid. Panic rises ever higher in his mind before the stage manager grabs him by the shoulders and says, Ben, have a seat. Why? But don't look down. Okay, can you hold my McDonald's? Everyone has a story to tell. We have a bottle of wine and an ear to listen. Welcome to Anecdotal Dote. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anecdotal Dote, the podcast that celebrates the stories and storytellers in all of us. I'm John Seidenberg, voted most likely to succeed in high school, and joining me as always as my trusty assistant, Laura. Why am I your assistant? I was really hoping that you would not question that <laughs> when I decided to call you that. I thought we were partners, equal partners. Mm. Laura, did you have a superlative in high school? I don't know what that means. Oh my God. Um, well, superlative um, is, uh, you know, voted like most successful, best school stupid spirit, oh. class clown. Yeah, no, we had those. I was not one of them. <laughs> That answers all of my questions. That's very successful. Great. All right. Um, so welcome back, uh, trusty listener. I say listener because I'm sure we have just myself listening to these on the regular right I'm now. I'm sure Isaac might be listening. Oh, hello, Isaac. <laughs> Write to us if you were actually listening to this. What is our theme today, Laura? Annoyances. Annoyances. Yes. Yeah, so things that annoy us. And something annoyed me today. Um, the, the place of business at which I am a cashier has things on clearance as most stores do and uh, this this woman came up with and i am not kidding 25 dog sweaters that were on sale 20 when you say dog sweaters do you mean sweaters that go on dogs or yes. sweaters with dogs on them oh no sweaters for canines to wear huh. and it was not like a variation it was literally the same gross green knit sweater 25 Were they numerous sizes was this like a woman planning for their holiday christmas card or whatever that has everybody in the same sweater i truly wish that i could tell you yes but it was the same size the same color the same she stitch. loved it so much that she's gonna wear one out and then go to the next one and then go to the next one well she was like oh these aren't for me and i laughed and then she <laughs> said yeah they're for me and then i was like yeah i, I knew <laughs> She just had that, I am a dog owner who wants to have a Do closet for them. Do you think she has them. that many dogs? Oh, no. She, she made sure to tell me it was one single animal. That's going to wear... Oh, yeah. goodness. <laughs> so, uh, I'm a little concerned. He will, he, will never, he will never get cold around his midriff. That is for sure. Because uh, it, it was a knitted sweater for her dog. 
John, do you have any advice to help out our listeners in their everyday life? I do have of some advice today. You do. Yes, I um I I always have some advice. So um, my advice this week is um, let your kids celebrate holidays when they're little, or they may grow up and talk about it on a podcast one day. <laughs> I feel a story coming up. Oh, but I have one. So as a kid um, growing up, we lived right next door to a church. And um, at the church, they would always have an Easter egg hunt every year. And my family did not participate in anything having to do with Easter if it did not deal with Jesus directly. We would go to church. It was all the boring stuff from Easter. It was not any of the exciting stuff from Easter. And so... Uh, every every year when I was a kid growing up, I would sit outside of our living room window after church and watch all the next door neighbor kids uh, and all the church kids next door hunt for Easter eggs. And I would like, so imagine like a little baby John with his face and his hands pressed up against the glass, like, you know, wish I could be part of that world. <laughs> The saddest part was after church, when the Easter egg hunt was over, I would wait for everyone to leave. And then what I would go out into the yard of the church and try and find leftover eggs that the kids had not found. And most of the ones that I would find were cracked, broken open, um, or the reject ones that the rest of the kids stepped on while they were trying to find the other Easter eggs. So if you're crying right now, thank you for your love and support. But also use that as a reminder to not do that to your children. Let them have an Easter egg hunt. So when I was a kid, my parents were like Easter egg hunts all the way. And I hated them with a burning passion. I hated oh. them because I was what like. What part? The joyous wonder of thinking <laughs> that a rabbit had left them anyway, for you? So me and my brother used to be roped into going to this Easter egg hunt with all these other random kids. I did not enjoy activities with other random kids because I was not social and I didn't want to compete. So anytime like me and another kid would find an egg at the same time, I would just let them have it. It was, yeah. Anyway, I was too shy to interact. I didn't like it. I think one of them is more traumatizing than the other one. I do agree that you, mine was just my own not inability to like get what's mine and yours was just being one is a lesson of be a go-getter the other is a lesson in don't torture your kids don't torture your kids <laughs> they both are kind of a lesson in don't torture your kids <laughs> but there's like an easter hunt Easter egg hunt somewhere in Bangor like that today that sounds so much fun like me a 27 year old uh Andre the Giant and a bunch of four-year-olds because I could drop kick those those little SOBs into the Penobscot River and be like mine and then you wouldn't be passive like I was oh are you kidding me I have to make up for 20 years of not getting any eggs we are so excited to welcome our first guest ever onto the podcast today the director of education at Penobscot Theater Company in Bangor, Maine, Ben Lehman, has had a successful artistic career spanning from directing educational and community theater to performing professionally throughout Maine. Hello, Ben Lehman. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ben, a couple questions for our view, our listeners, I guess. Yeah. I don't know why I keep I thinking hope they're this. they're not viewers because I look terrible. <laughs> Same. <laughs> 
Is there a hidden camera no one made me aware of? You both look like sh. You're an asshole. <laughs> um, just for our listeners to get to know you, where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in different locations in coastal Maine, down east Maine, as we call it. But I did most of my growing up in Columbia Falls, and that is where I still have roots and relatives. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you work exclusively. Your career 100% is the arts. It is now, yes. yes. It hasn't always been that way, but for the last 15 years or so, I've been doing work in live theater exclusively. Fantastic. And what led you to that originally? I don't know. It was always sort of inherent in my bones, I think. I love stories. I love storytelling. And this seemed to be, you know, I've dabbled in everything. And theater, acting, expressing stories with your body and actually embodying someone else's story and emotions was the thing that came the most readily or most naturally. So my parents put me in a church pageant when I was six and I played the sun. I was in a yellow leotard and a cardboard sun crown. And they made me climb this huge ladder. They had a set piece that they built in front of this ladder. And they made me climb to the top of it and stand behind these flats in my little leotard and sing this song about sunshine. I remember that. That was my first theatrical experience. And, uh, you know, I never turned back, frankly. So you, you peaked as a child. I did, and, yes. I peaked okay. at age six, and it was all downhill from there. <laughs> but And you were raised, much like I was raised very conservatively, you were raised Mormon. Yeah, I grew up in... Yeah, my parents were Mormon. Um, It never really stuck with me. um, And I was kind of a rebel child. Uh, But I had one parent who was very conservative and one artistic parent. My mother was very artistic herself. And my mother was a very good painter and an actress in her own right. So she really encouraged me when she saw that artistic spark in me to to do as much as I could. That's the answer. My mom led me there. So our next segment is the anecdotal dope portion where we throw out a word. Also, um, I don't have enough chairs, real chairs from my apartment. (laughs) And so I had to pull a camping chair out of my car. I'm now sitting in my kitchen in a camping chair and I feel like I should have a uh, tank top and a (laughs) been a brewski in my hand but i don't (laughs) the rules are i give you a word you have to tell a true story based on said word um it does not have to be your story it can be a third hand second hand however many hands you need no girl to tell (laughs) to tell a true story based on the word in the theme of annoyances okay the word is stitches so when i was i was 19 or 20 and i was playing daddy warbucks um this particular summer and i was late to the theater this particular day and so as a stage manager you're fired uh uh-huh i would have been so fired but i was hungry and so i remember i had a my little brother was also in this show with me and i had a bag of mcdonald's i remember being annoyed and pissed off because he wouldn't help me carry i had like this enormous bag of food and a drink tray and my bag and it was all his food and so i was mad that he wouldn't help me carry it and i went in through the door like I'm really, really rushing. And as I'm walking, I see all these little puddles of blood and the floor, it was concrete floor. And I was seeing all these little puddles of blood. And I kept asking people who is bleeding and who is bleeding. And I would like, everybody was the looking at this person. In yeah. The well, everybody was looking at me with these shocked faces. And I finally said to the stage manager, 
who walked by me and I was like, who is bleeding? There's blood everywhere. And she goes, Ben, I need you to sit down. <gasps> and I need you to not look down. And I was like, okay, what is happening? As and a so, stage manager, I'm terrified right now. So she took all... As a human being. <laughs> <laughs> well, she took all of the stuff out of my hands and sat me down. It was you. And it was me. <laughs> and what, what had happened was... Is that as I was walking in the door, I had flip-flops on, and I was walking in through the door, and the bottom of the door had lost its weather stripping. So when that happens, there's like a razor-sharp piece of metal on the bottom of your door. It was like a swinging screen door on the back, you know? And so I had whacked my big toe and cut it almost in half like the bottom of my toe was on the top of my toe and so of course she told me not to look down and i immediately did i went to the er they stitched my foot they put me in a booty and i went on stage in annie as daddy warbucks with my tuxedo one patent leather shoe and a blue booty (laughs) and so of course there's a scene famously in Annie where Annie learns how to waltz and the director of course had staged it in the classic fashion where Annie stands on my feet and Annie was not an 8 year old child or a 10 year old child she was 13 (gasps) and she was of a little bit of size and so I said to her her name was Dina Dina if you're listening (laughs) I remember you Um, but I said to Dina as I as we were on the stage, I said, remember tonight that you can't dance on my feet. And that little bitch. <laughs> we got to the we got to the song, we got to the dance, and she looked me dead in the eye. And I'm telling you that this she did it on purpose to see if I could get through the scene. She looked me dead in the eye, smiled as Annie, and stood on my feet. And so I did that song, and she popped my stitches. So I had to go back to the ER after the show and get my foot re-stitched. Oh, my God. And then I had to do the rest of the show in a blue booty. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And there is my stitches story. should have let Rooster kill her. (laughs) (laughs) It was a real possibility after that show. I was like, you know what, Miss Hannigan? Take her. I'm good. And that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, subscribe. If you didn't like what you heard, still subscribe. Doesn't hurt you either way. Also, if you like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends. You are our best advertising. Thanks so much to Ben Lehman, our fantastic guest. Don't forget that I was voted most likely to be arrested at a Dysox truck stop. Is that really Stop what you're superlative? Yeah, that was my superlative. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I didn't get any. Uh, for the podcast, both of our jaws just dropped open. <laughs> you didn't get any superlatives either? No. Ooh. I am in sad company. Well, on that depressing note, uh, we'll see you next week. Ooh.